Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope that you enjoy this encouraging message. For more information on our church family, visit freechapel.org forward slash OC. Well, this morning, um, if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11. That's where we're going to end up. And uh, if you don't, it'll be on the screen for you to follow along. And this morning, I want to take you to really a story that has been um, such an important story for me. It's taught me really such a significant principle and has been so formative, even in my own walk with Jesus, something that has um, helped me to understand something about the way that God works. And part of what I want to do today is, if I can, maybe to step onto holy ground and talk maybe from God's perspective about your situation and to talk about the way in which that God works. And uh, I want to preach to you from this title, It's Just a Test. It's just a test. Look at your neighbor, look at him in the eyes, smile real big, and say, it's just a test. It's just a test. Now, I was thinking to myself, all this talk of back to school, I'm not sure if, uh, you know, we're, we're gearing up for back to school uh, here in this house, and uh, maybe that's like your house, you are uh, getting the kids ready for school, you're buying school supplies, you're learning how to get back into the rhythm and uh, understanding the regularity of school nights and early mornings. And I was thinking to myself, as we you know, kind of talk about all of this back to school um, talk and really the season that we're in, that there are only two kinds of people. There are people who maybe enjoy the intellectual rigor of the educational system. And then there are people who maybe struggle to conform to the limitations of a classroom. Maybe better said, There are people who like school, and there are people who don't like the people that like school, right? (laughs) I see a hand go up. Don't look at anybody. That's rude. But I was thinking to myself, even remembering as we're starting college, my own journey starting college, I uh, graduated from a school in Chicago, and uh, early on in school, it was really tough for me. I struggled a lot. I changed my major three times the first year of college. My parents, uh, they probably thought that I was mentally unstable. They threatened to pull me out of school, but thank God we still graduated in four years. Mama, we made it. And um, I was thinking part of what was such a struggle for me is I had to learn that part of earning your degree includes a process, really a whole lot of testing. And it's funny to me to know that in school, it's not, it doesn't come as a surprise to us that we will be tested academically. But it's funny to me that oftentimes we forget that in life, we will also be tested spiritually. Now, before we get to the text today, I want to set up just a part of uh, context here to help us really understand what's happening in the story that we're about to read. Hebrews is a book of the Bible written to a group of believers. It's part of who I'm preaching to today is, is a group of believers who the, the writer um, will we'll be teaching through the, this, this story. And what he will do is he will be encouraging a group of believers who are faced with incredible pressure and persecution simply because of their faith, faith in Jesus. And he will say, don't give up. And part of the, the book of Hebrews is written um, to believers to endure in the faith and to keep the faith even against severe persecution that they were faced with. And over and over again, the writer of Hebrews is trying to encourage believers um, that even though they are faced with suffering, that faith is worth it. And part of what I think is just really important for even us to understand today 
is if you are in this room and you are faced with difficulty or opposition or even pain in terms of your spiritual journey, you are not alone. I think it's really, really important for us to understand that today is that even in, in, you know, in seasons of our life where we, we may be faced with suffering, that we're not alone. In fact, so much of what we're here in this room, what we're celebrating, what this place is built on didn't come by way of favor and blessing, but came on the back of a whole lot of pain and endurance and suffering. And Hebrews chapter 11 is commonly referred to as the hall of faith. And part of the pastor, the writer's um, argument to this group of people is he will bring up examples of great men and women of the faith. And he'll, he'll say, you know, of Moses and of Abraham and of, of, of Joshua and Elijah. And he'll tell stories of great men and women who endured through the faith, not simply to elevate them as heroes or celebrities, but to prove the powerful example of their faith that held on even despite suffering and persecution. And part of what the writer will say, I think for, for us here to even begin to understand is that faith is a precious and invaluable invaluable element to life. And part of what I think I want to help us to see even is that sometimes part of following Jesus will actually lead us right into the middle of circumstances that are confusing and even painful. I think we live in a culture, we live in a world much like the, the group of people that we're reading about today, that it's simply really easy to disconnect from faith. It's easy to kind of throw it to the wayside and feel like it's not something that works because I think there is this false teaching that if I'm you know, following Jesus just looks like, oh yeah, I love God and I go to church so that he can make my life better. But following Jesus, the teaching of the New Testament is that Jesus was literally murdered. And if we are going to be like him, we are going to have to share in his suffering. It's, it's part of it. And part of what the writer of Hebrews would say is that faith doesn't eliminate pain and difficulty from my life. It simply gives me a different perspective and purpose through it. See, I've said before, faith is the ability to believe in advance what only makes sense in reverse. Many of us here today can look back over our life and see the way that God was working, but so easily forget that in the middle of it, that God still has a plan and still has a purpose. See, faith is the ability to see and to know and to trust that even what I walk through may not match the hope that I have, that God is working it out for my good. That's what faith is. So one of the stories I want to look at is this story of Abraham. I want to read three verses. We can see it together in Hebrews chapter 11, picking up in verse 17, just three verses for you today. You think you can handle that? Okay, good. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and his only son. And even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. And verse 19 says, Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. Now, if you're new to church or you're new in this place, I want you to take a deep breath and to know that we're not going to talk about child sacrifice in church today. The, uh, I know many of us would be concerned, wouldn't make for a great drive back home. Like, what, well, what did you think of pastor's message today? It's kind of heavy for Sunday brunch. 
We're not talking about child sacrifice. In fact, I would just venture out to say, just to help us in terms of understanding the Bible, God's never been into child sacrifice. He will not be into child sacrifice. God is the God who loves life. Part of this story is not just, it wasn't just Abraham offering his son. It was a story actually of God's radical faith. And part of what this story would teach us is that it wasn't just that Abraham would be, see, see, child, what would happen in the ancient Near East is cultures all around this place would have considered this commonplace. In fact, by the time Moses steps on the scene, God asks Moses to write it into a law, don't sacrifice your children. Why? Because he wanted to set apart God's people as different. And it said, even though it's happening all around you, what's amazing to the story is not what God asked Abraham to do. What's amazing is that God showed up to stop it. See, God is a God who loves life, and this story is about Abraham's radical faith. I do want to say, though, I wonder, historians would believe Isaac was probably 12 or 13 years old at the time that this would happen. I just want to know, like, I'm not saying I endorse this parenting technique, but I just want to know if it worked. Like, I wonder what the, I wonder what the, the, the trip back home would have been like, because it gives us a lot of detail of them walking up the mountain. It gives a lot of detail of the moment. We don't hear a lot about the trip back home. I wonder, like, I mean, did it solve any teenage behavior issues? I just wonder. I just, I just, I'm not saying that I endorse it. I just am curious. Some people are still uncomfortable. Like, Is that a joke about child sacrifice? Relax. It sometimes, I think, can be easy for us to read scriptures like this and to miss the point. But part of what I want to get in your heart today is really just these, these three words in verse 17. This little phrase, the Bible says that it was Abraham when God tested him. Four words there is really what I want to help us to understand when God tested him. I want to just tell you today that God will test you. And you will say, well, that, that, that doesn't really, it kind of messes with my theology a little bit. Like, that's not really the picture that I have of God. Like, why would God do that? That sounds a little cruel, doesn't it? But part of what we need to understand about this is that the goal for the Christian is not simply to go through life, but to grow through life. This is what God's plan is. The scriptures will tell us that God's goal for you is to grow you up into the person that you are called to be. And part of what happens when we accept Jesus and when we raise our hands and pray the prayer, as we will hear today in a moment, God begins a renovation project in your life. Many people have called this sanctification. I simply like to call it God's school to help me to become what the Bible says is whole and holy. In fact, James says this. He says that consider it joy when you face trials of many kinds. James tells us that for the trials in our life produce the testing of your faith, which produces perseverance. And perseverance produces uh, this idea that we may be perfect and complete. See, it's that biblical word of being perfected. It doesn't mean having no flaws. It simply means to be complete, to be whole and to be holy. As if to say, God is not after your perfection, but he is after you being perfected. It's not simply to just go through trial, but to grow through trial. And simply, I've just learned this to be the case in my life, that God will often take us through seasons and through situations as a school to teach us something. Because the Bible refers to Jesus as many things. He is a friend. The Bible calls Jesus a comforter. The Bible calls Jesus a counselor. It calls him a healer. It calls him a savior. But one of the names given to Jesus is a teacher. 
And what do teachers do? They test their students. Why? Not to spite them or to punish them, but to develop them. For it is the job of every teacher to develop their students on the material that they will later be tested in and develop their students for the, the trial that may come their way. So if we're going to understand God's test, I think there are two other words that it's really important we understand here today. Because the scriptures would tell us there are three categories of difficulties that come to our life. The first word is this word trial. And trial is a difficulty or a challenge that can so often come our way. It's just life has a way of coming at us. And so the scriptures are clear that trials in our life are, are unavoidable. We will all face them, whether you are a follower of Jesus or not. Trial is, is part of it. Now, I know it's Sunday. I know you've got your best outfit on of the week. And part of you know, today is just to, you know, this is the day that the Lord has made. And so we're going to pretend like we are blessed. How, if, if you could just be honest enough today by show of hands, how many would say that there is at least one area of my life that I am experiencing difficulty? Physical needs, relational needs, emotional needs, spiritual needs, financial needs. Hello. The difficulty is simply part of our life. But the Bible would tell us that while God doesn't cause difficulty or God doesn't cause the trial, it doesn't mean that he is distant or absent in it. Because the promise the scriptures give to us is that God is, is in, a, in trial with us and he is strengthening us through it. The second word we would need to understand is this word temptation. And temptation is very different than a trial or a test. Temptation is, is if I can say it really at its core, temptation is the enticement to take the shortcut out of the trial. See, temptation, it's, it's enticement to take the shortcut out of the process. Temptation is the devil's counterfeit to God's test. And while God will test us to make us strong, the enemy will tempt us to make us weak. James says this. It says, don't get it confused between this process of testing and tempting. It matters who is doing it. For if you are tempted, do not say that God is tempting me. There we go. God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anybody else. I meet young adults all the time. It's like, bro, it's just life is hard right now. God is tempting me. No, 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 no. God doesn't tempt you. I just need you to understand this today. Temptation is taking the easy way out, and it's choosing what may feel good now, but settling for something that will kill us later. And God doesn't tempt us, but he does test us. And testing, you say, what is tempting? It's the third word we need to understand. Testing is what happens when God will use the trial in our life to shape us and refine us and make us more like Jesus. See, it is the inescapable pattern of God that he will prepare you, then test you. You're going, man, this is a heavy thing before brunch today. This is just a heavy Sunday. I know we don't like to hear this, but I just need to help you to understand God will test you. It's not to make you weak, but it is to make you strong. And I wonder today if you could just see your life and your situation from God's perspective. Could I suggest to you today that the difficulty you are walking through is not simply a trial, but a test that God is putting you through? It's just a test. Maybe what you have called drama in your family 
or loneliness in relationships or difficulty at your job or discouragement in your life or difficulty in your business, could it be that it is actually a test that God is putting you through? Discouragement, disappointment, even unanswered prayer. Could I suggest to you today that it is a test that God is actually wanting to produce something in your life? See, this is what happened with Abraham. We don't have time to read the whole story today, but if you haven't read your Bible this week, you can go home and read it and catch up today. It's about 20 verses long. Genesis chapter 22 tells us the story of Abraham. Now, Abraham, God speaks to him at 75 years old and says, you will be given a son. And if you're going, wow, that sounds old. It was old back then. And God promises Abraham and his wife, they said, you will be given a son at 75 years old. They laughed at God. And God then, as a, as a, it was a test. It was testing their faith. And then what would happen is 25 years later, they were actually given the son that they were promised. And they had to wait for 25 years to see the thing that God had said to them. It was a test. And then what happened is as his son Isaac began to grow up, Abraham started to love his son more than he loved God. Somebody say, "Uh uh-oh. That's when God speaks to Abraham. And God says, now what I want you to do is take the son that you love and lead him up on an altar to be sacrificed. And essentially what God was asking Abraham to do is to surrender once again the promise that God had made him. He was asking Abraham... And really, Genesis chapter 22, the Bible, even the the subtext of that, it says it was Abraham's test. God was testing Abraham. It was testing him to see if he would trust God enough to be willing to sacrifice and surrender the gift that God gave him or the blessing that God gave him and the promise that God gave him and the hope that he had in God's word. God was asking him to surrender. And remarkably, Abraham obeys God. Now, when you define test, the definition is the procedure intended to establish the quality of something, especially before it's taken into widespread use. The the Bible literally defines test as this, to prove by trial. Now, think of this for a moment. Could it be in your life that there is something, the whole reason you are being tested is God is trying to prove or to produce something in your life, that there is a character quality that God wants to work on, or there is an attitude that God wants to deal with, or there is an attribute in your heart that God wants to target. And he's saying, I want to prove that in you. And the way that I will prove it is through trial. How many know it takes getting squeezed to know what's on the inside of you? God will prove it by trial. That's the whole reason for the test that God is taking. He wants to build your perspective or he wants to, or he wants to build your character or he wants to shape attributes in your life and remove anything that doesn't look like Jesus to shape you to become the person that he has called you to be. See, testing, let me just encourage you today. Could it, you know, there, there could be people in this room and feel like God has a great purpose for me. These college students that are stepping in, knowing that God has a plan and a purpose for their life. But could it be that what is holding you back from God's plan for your life is not simply a lack of gifting, but a lack of character? 
You could be the most gifted person in the world, but before God will bring you into widespread use, he has to test you. And the way that he will test you is to prove by trial. It's like my son Everett. He's, he, he'll be two next month. And he, he, he is getting to the age that as a father, I will start, or I have to start disciplining him. And he's getting to that age where I have to just help him to learn. And it's not as a father that I enjoy disciplining him. It's not that I, I, I want to just give him payback. No, no, no. You're like, Cody, he's not even old enough. You'll wait, you wait, you'll see. It's not that I enjoy it. It's just part of, I recognize it's part of my responsibility as a father to discipline my son. Why? Because this is part of the way that he learns. I have to help him. Like, hey, dude, we don't hit people. Like, it's just as a man, that's not what you do. And I have to help him to see at two years old, bro, we don't bite people. (laughs) It's amazing the stuff that you have to teach kids. I have to tell him at two years old, dude, like, it's not cool to throw your ketchup across the room. It's not, why do I have to do that? Because I don't want him biting people and throwing ketchup when he's 27. And I have to understand that it's part of my job as a loving father to discipline my son, to help him to learn. How many know to not discipline him is to not love him? I have to help him to understand the man that he needs to be. And because God is a father and because God cares and wants to be involved in your life, he he will often discipline us to prepare us, to strengthen us, to make us into a people of integrity or a people of character. And he will often use the process of testing or discipline to shape us into who we are called to be and to prepare us for what he has called us to do. But hear me today, don't mistake God's preparation as God's punishment. That's not who he is. God doesn't punish his children. In fact, Isaiah says that the punishment, our punishment that we actually deserve was put on Jesus. So people come to me and they're like, it just feels like God is out to get me. God isn't punishing you. He's preparing you. And there is a difference that God will prepare us and use things in our life to, to help shape and deform us. This is what Jesus said in John 15. Jesus teaches the believers gathered around there at the upper room. He tells them in John 15, verse two, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. He's using a metaphor. And he says, while the branch that does bear fruit, he will prune so that it will be even more fruitful. Now, here's my question. Leave that verse up there for a moment. Who is he? That's my question, because We have to understand verse one to really get the context of what Jesus is saying. It says, my father is the vine dresser or the gardener, and I am the vine, which is to say that Jesus is teaching us that he in this verse is God, which means that sometimes God will discipline us or the the metaphor is God will prune us to make our lives more purposeful and more fruitful. And it can feel uncomfortable when God, when we feel like we're, when we're going in our own way and God closes the door and it can feel even painful when we make a mistake and God sends his discipline in our life to, to prove something in us or to prepare us. There are moments that can feel like a struggle or even an immaturity where God will send a test to grow you up. These moments in our life can be painful, but here's the part, because if you give the devil credit, for the work that God is trying to do, it will lose its ability to bear fruit. That's the point of the verse. 
is that if we feel like, oh God, you're tempting me. God, this sucks. What we're actually doing is we're losing the opportunity for the test to bear fruit in our life and to help shape us because what we're doing is we're turning our perspective off the work that God is trying to do and we're blaming others for it. It's just a test. And God will try and use the test to shape things in us because the stuff that God is after, like character, like integrity, like wholeness and holiness and perfecting, that stuff doesn't come with just blessing and ease. It comes through trial. It comes through testing because testing makes us stronger. Said a different way, it's not that the trial is good, but it is good for you. And part of the hope that we have is God will use it. See, this is what testing is. Testing is the, what, what happens when God actually arranges and organizes our suffering to cooperate with his purpose to prepare us for heaven and prepare us for the work that we are called to do here on earth. Nobody got it, but that was the part to shout. What God will do in testing is he will actually organize the pain in our life to help prepare us for heaven and to prepare us for the work that we are called here to do. And I've just learned if you can't say amen, just say ouch. It works the same. Abraham, it was test after test after test. Why? Because God was trying to train his faith. What if I told you today that the test you are in is training to you? What if I told you today that the difficulty and the pain that you are faced with is producing something in you? What if I told you it was just a test? What if I told you here today that you feel like maybe you're here Abraham. You know, Abraham is called the father of faith. Now think of that title. He was called the father of faith, but something tells me that he was not known as that, or he was known as that because he was tested in that. The Bible tells us 12 tests of Abraham's faith. You may be here today. You may feel like you're not being tested in your faith, but what if you are being tested in your character? What if you're being tested in your honesty? What if you're being tested in your integrity? What if you're being tested in your purity? What if you are being tested in your patience? What if you're being tested in your self-control? God is actually using test after test after test in your life to strengthen you because he knows what you need when you get to your future. I heard a story recently of a pastor in Washington, D.C., who every Sunday morning would get up and, and preach, but part of the preparation process was every Saturday he would go on a prayer walk throughout his city, and he would walk from his house far enough, and he would pray, and he would think through his message, and he would prepare, but he would walk far enough that he would have to take the bus back home. And this pastor would go on and recount the story, and he would say that one, one Saturday he was walking and praying for the next day, and he gets done, and he gets the bus ride back home, and he goes and he pays the bus fare, and as he pays the bus driver, he realizes that the bus driver had given him too much change. So he walks back to his seat, and he's thinking like, wait, wait how, how much was the Starbucks, and what did I pay the bus driver? And he, he said it was probably 75 cents that he was given too much change back. 
He didn't just, you know, he didn't sit in his seat going, oh, Jehovah Jireh, my provider. <laughs> it's a blessing in disguise. No, he knew. He's like, the, the bus driver gave me too much change. And so he would, he would go, and when it came time for his stop, he walked back up to the front of the bus, and he said to the bus driver, he said, I'm sorry, sir, but you gave me too much change. Here's your money back. And you know what the bus driver said? He said, I know I did. Because I was at your church last Sunday, and I heard you talk about money, and I wanted to see if you were an honest man. How many know it wasn't just a bus driver's test? I have a feeling there was another test that day. Are you an honest person? Like 75 cents, we would think, oh, it's no big deal. But, but God may be trying to test you, and God will send tests in our life. Why? To prove something within us. I mean, even, can I just go here for a moment? Even think of the word tithing. Ooh, I already don't like you, pastor. Why would you? <laughs> the word literally means 10%. That's what the word tithing means. And to think of all that we're able to do here at Free Chapel, from our kindergarten that launched this week, to our Bible college that's starting this week, to our preschool that's operating, and even our local outreach programs, people being ministered, all of that happens because of people in this room that are faithful with tithing, giving 10% back to God and empowering God's church to do the work of ministry. And to think how amazing it is that people are committed to tithing but still there are some people in the room that aren't tithing, but they are instead tipping God. Like, oh, the that's just like a restaurant. Oh, the service was really good here. Throw in an extra 20. Or to think that, you know, like, oh, was, you know, the air was a little too cold today, so we need the money for the valet anyway. Just take that back. And instead of tithing, we are tipping God. But you know, Malachi chapter 3, the Bible says that tithing is a test. That's not, see, this, this thing isn't, this isn't, oh, yeah, I hate those churches. They're always after our money. This isn't a free chapel thing. Let me just tell you this. God doesn't need you to tithe. You need you to tithe. <laughs> Why? Because it is a test. Do you trust God as your provider or not? Do you believe that God can actually do more with 90% than you can do with 100? See, it's a test. And Malachi says, if you don't tithe, you're actually stealing from God. And if you'll steal from God, why wouldn't you steal from others? It's a test. It's just a test. Oh, I don't like God. No, 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 no. This isn't a money thing. It's a heart thing. Could it be that God is testing you? Some people are like, hold on, what was that number? I need to make sure that I get this part right. It's a test. You think of moments in your life. Could be a financial thing. God could be testing you. Could be a purity thing. God could be testing you. To know, do you trust God? And God will send difficulty. He will allow pain in our life to help understand that there are things that he wants to produce inside of us. This is what happened for Abraham. And you know what's crazy to me? Verse 19, the Bible gives us Hebrews. It's, it's the New Testament perspective on this story, and it gives us the lens by which we are to read and to interpret and to see this story. And verse 19, it says that Abraham thought that even if God made him do the thing that God had asked him to do, that God could raise him from the dead. Why? 
because God made me a promise. And I know that if God speaks, that it's something that I can trust. So even if God asks me to do something confusing or to do something that is painful, I know that when God says it, it must be true. So whatever God is asking me to do, it's a test to know that he knows better than I do. And Abraham said, I know that God could even raise the dead. And this is the part that gets me. It says, by some manner, figuratively speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. Isaac was brought all the way up to the point of death. You say, hold on. See, this is the story of Abraham. God said, I'm promising you a son. And 25 years later says, I want that son back. Hold on, hold on. That doesn't sound like God. Hold on. God, why would you do that? You're the one that gave them to me. So what kind of gift is that? I just have to tell you today that there are some times in your life where God will even ask for his blessings back to see if you trust him, to see if he can trust you. God oftentimes will cause a promise to die. He will cause a dream to die. He will ask for hope to be sacrificed. Why? Because he is the God of resurrection. And that's how he gets all the glory. See, it's a type and a shadow. God said to Isaac, there are times where I will ask you to sacrifice the hope that you have, to sacrifice the blessing that I have given you, to surrender the promise. Because God is the God of resurrection and he wants all the glory. To know that there, it's just crazy to me to think that Abraham believed God and in some matter that's exactly what happened. Abraham had to sacrifice his promise in order to live in the promise. I just think it's really, really important for us to understand this today. It's just a test. You know how this story ends? Genesis chapter 22, verse 12. It says, God said, do not lay a hand on the boy. Don't do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Those three words, I think, could be the reason for your test today. When God said, now I know. Now I know I can trust you. Now I know that you believe me. Now I know that there is a quality within you that will obey. Now I know, and could it be that there is part of the reason you are even faced with the test today is God is waiting to say that over your life. Now I know. Say, God, I can't believe the things that you're asking me to do. It's a test for God to say that. Now I know, now I know that you fear me. Now I know that even when I ask you to do something painful, Abraham said, okay, okay, God, I trust you. Because a tested person is a trusted person. (laughs) To know that no matter what blessing or opportunity or promotion come our way, God may be asking to say that over your life. Now I know. And by the way, that's how God writes a testimony. You don't get a testimony by going to church. You don't get a testimony by going to a conference. 
You get a testimony by going through a test and coming out on the other side, knowing that my God is good and my God is faithful. And if he promised it to me, even though the pain and the difficulty may be entering my life, I know that if God said it, it's true. And guess what? Now I know the God that I serve. Now I know. I've just learned this to be the case that the greater the test, the greater the testimony. I just want to give you some hope today that something about the way that God works is that he will bless the most, those that have had to wait the longest, those that have had to endure the greatest trials, those that have been challenged the deepest, those that have been wounded. A.W. Tozer said this. He said, it is doubtful whether God can bless a man greatly until he has wounded him deeply. See, the greater the test, the greater the testimony. I want to help you to understand this today. What you could be faced with, it is a test that God is sending to your life to say, now I know that you trust me and that you can have a story to know that God has been with me and that God has strengthened me and that God is faithful and nothing came into my life on accident, but I've got a testimony. Come on, I need a church here today that can carry the message of Jesus. It's not going to be a, it's not going to be because of talent or skill. It's going to be people that know that because I've gone through the test, I have a testimony to share. Oh, I wonder if there would be some people in the room that could say, I know the difficulty that I have faced. I know the struggle that I have faced. I know the suffering that I have faced. But God is faithful and God is good. Come on, stand to your feet today. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. To watch our latest message, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. To stay connected, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Free Chapel OC.